Welcome to the Athletes Record, where athletes share an honest account of their sporting life, the things that matter most to them, and their hopes for the future. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Focus Ireland's Shine a Light Night, proudly supported by Borgosh Energy. To find out how you can take part on the 15th of October and help people experiencing homelessness, visit focusireland.ie. In this episode, we hear from Orla Farmer. As a player, Orla is a six-time All-Ireland Senior Ladies Football Championship winner with Cork. She's also a coach, PE teacher, lecturer, and recently completed a PhD, focusing primarily on the reason why so many girls drop out of sport at an early age. First and foremost, there are numerous kind of factors, contributing factors that girls are kind of dropping out and maybe you know, it can boil down to a few different things. But I suppose from my own experience as a player, to be honest, we, we've always had that access, thankfully, like with, with Cork Ladies Football. Um, but I think it's it boils back to, it's kind of in a historical thing as well. You know, it's a societal and historical thing with girls. And I think how like that fear kind of a failure and how from a young age that boys are kind of encouraged to embrace that fear. Whereas girls are kind of, oh my God, be careful. You know, it's that surplus safety kind of more so for girls than boys. Um, and I think it, it does start at a young age. Um, I think girls boys are probably exposed to more opportunities um, and that kind of embracing fear element from a young age. Um, and, you know, the first seven years of your life are probably the most important in terms of developing habits and developing attitudes towards physical activity and sport as well. Um, now, that's just one factor, I think. But it boils down to a lot of things, really. You know, I think with girls as well, it's that societal pressure and confidence. And from my own research, um, I think that girls kind of might lack that confidence. It's perceived confidence, really. It's that perceived self-worth, perceived self-efficacy about themselves. Um, and as a result, they don't feel good enough um, and compared to their friends as well um, to actually stay involved and to be playing a sport too. It, it kind of creeps into like that kind of psychosocial side of, of sport that it's not just the physical side um, for girls, it can be more so than often the psychosocial side. So what I mean by psychosocial is like that whole mindset thing with with the social. So the peer element um, and also that am I good enough to play? Am I good enough? You know, will I be embarrassed if I kick the ball and I don't get kick the ball right? Um, will will my coach give out to me? Will my parents be disappointed in me? And um, will I leave down my team because I don't think I'm good enough? Um, that can creep in as well for girls, um, more so than boys. Um, obviously, I'm speaking on behalf of myself and on behalf of my own research because that's something that was was coming up a lot through, you know, all research that I've done over the last kind of six, seven years um, is that kind of confidence side and that self-efficacy is so, so important. It's like that, that feel-good kind of environment um, is so, so important when it comes to girls. Um, and I suppose another reason I think why like I think that links in then to the, the skill side of it. So I think the psychosocial element of like the mindset and the attitude links into the physical side of sport as well, where whereby girls, you know, are what we're seeing in the research are they're performing kind of less proficiently than boys, particularly in the kind of object control skills, you know, like kicking, um, striking. 
uh, all those kind of skills that are are related to kind of like sports that girls are are kind of performing poorly in those skills and, and other skills like basic skills. Um, now this is quite relevant for boys too, but something that really stood out for me in my own research um, and by coaching myself uh, is that skill element that you know girls aren't really that proficient in these basic skills and what the research is showing is that you know if you're if you're competent at these skills from a young age that nine times out of ten you will stay involved in in sport into adulthood because it's, it comes back to that I'm good enough I'm able you know I'm able to kick a ball um, and then that links to other areas of their life as well and that confidence kind of brews from that um, research would suggest as well and research has found that you know if children are competent that it, it not only just affects their lifelong physical activity but their mental health their well-being and um, you know their the physical kind of benefits and um, emotional benefits cognitive benefits one of the biggest influences on Orla's sporting career and her coaching outlook came from the legendary Cork ladies football coach Eamon Ryan, who sadly passed away earlier this year. Here, Orla pays tribute to the man that led Cork to 10 All-Ireland titles during his tenure. He was really just some man for one man, as I always say. Just such a nice guy and just a humble man. Like, and He did so much for ladies football in, in Cork and all over, really. Um, he just changed the dynamic of, of the game and his approach, really, his coaching approach. He he always just kept it simple, like really simple. And I think that boils back to, yeah, you could have all these creative ideas in the world, but like you just less is more. Like he always used to keep the sessions simple. You know, it could be the most basic drills, but we'd be doing them at such an intensity that you'd be fully focused on what you're doing. Um and just things like that. Like, I think it was just the, the pastoral care as well. That, that that side to Eamon, that he just really looked after us and on the pitch and off the pitch. And he just allowed us to flourish, like, and he allowed us to get the best out of ourselves, you know, on, in, in, our, in all life aspects, not just on the pitch as well. Um, and that's something I'll always be grateful for. Um, and just, you know, just being part of that. Um, again, those six All Irelands, like that's where I don't even know where they are. Like to be honest, it's it's those memories, like in that friendship and that culture that I was so I'm so proud to be part of, um, and to have had experienced that as well. But just just in in terms of his coaching and everything, like just he was very he was a very reflective man as well. Like he was big on kind of reflection and big on like he used to keep a diary. Um, or if he used to reflect a lot like he used to write down a lot of his thoughts and things on the sessions um, he'd, he'd come with his, his handwritten session like he'd write out just a few points on what he wanted to do in the session and he'd call us in then a few times in the session and he'd kind of bring us back to earth and he'd kind of remind us why we're here and you know, he'd whip out newspaper clippings of quotes and stories that might have anything to do with football but that would have a purpose deep down like and he'd kind of make us be aware of that too and just really want us to to realize that you know our, our full potential really and I think he was a big believer in mind over matter as well and like that he always always used to say like it's upstairs like it's from basically your neck up 
is the most important thing when you're going out now playing the game or when you're training. Like it's he's like, you have all the skill in the world. You can be the most talented football player in the world. You could have all these skills as good as Messi, but if you're not right upstairs, like you're not going to get the best out of yourself. You're not going to perform to your full potential. Um, and he always used to say to us as well, like there's there's still that bit more in you. Like he said, your your mind will play tricks with you. You know, your 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 mind will tell you, oh, not to run for that ball, or you're tired, or she's I messed up now. I won't bother with the next one. Your mind will keep playing tricks with you. But he said that there's always something more. Like he said, there's always that extra percent that you can give. It's there, he said. It's just trying to push that. He said it's it's always there, and you need to try and overcome that kind of negative talk in your mind and just be free, like, and just to go for it as well. Um, but yeah, no, he he was lovely. He was just he was a good man, like, and he had a good heart, and he was a fantastic coach. Orla's experience with the Cork Ladies footballers reinforced her belief in the importance of creating a positive culture within a team environment. Orla explains how this, among other factors, contributed to Cork's 2014 All-Ireland final success, in which Cork overhauled a 10-point deficit to Dublin in the closing period of the game to claim another title. And I always remember that in the 2014 final, um, when we were like 10 points down from Dublin, with about 14 minutes to go. Cork are All-Ireland champions again in one of the greatest comebacks in ladies' football history. They are one of the greatest teams ever in the game. It always reminds me of that with Eamon, that we were obviously on the pitch. It wasn't Eamon. Like, Eamon couldn't do anything. He was only on the sideline. And yet we came back from 10 points and actually beat Dublin that day in the space of, was it like 13, 14 minutes or something like that? It was ridiculous that that connectedness and that bond and that culture that that he created allowed us to actually under pressure, you know, when, you know, when we were like, oh my God, we're we're 10 points down, like we're we're going to win this All-Ireland, like we're not giving up here. And it allowed us to switch something on ourselves. It wasn't aiming. You know, Eamon wasn't directing every single person what, telling us what to do on the pitch in Crow Park. It was just that trust, that culture and that trust that we all had for each other and that desire to want to help each other and want to, you know, get the best out of each other. That's what pull, pulled us through the line. And that's why we beat Dublin that year, because we weren't going to, like, we were doing it for each other. And it was Eamon who had created that for us as well. So, like, it does boil down to culture. And obviously, it's not about winning or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know where that All-Ireland medal is, like, but I'll always remember us coming back, you know, that kind of way that I'll remember that, just that collective approach like, that we took that that in those, what, 14 minutes. Um, almost like coming back from the impossible, like, you know, that kind of just desire, just wanting to win and wanting to do it for each other. Um, that's what stemmed from the culture that Eamon had created as well. Um, and it's, you know, it's it goes a long way, really, but it's, it's something that needs to be kind of nurtured. It's it's not something that can be just developed overnight. And um, like that that takes, you know, a while to to develop that trust. And it's it's when new girls are coming up, it's trying to get them to buy in to the the culture and it's getting them to buy into the, the approach. That's that's why I think we were successful, because 
you know, you had the likes of Angela Walsh, Breach Corkery, Breach Staff, like all those girls kind of had came up together. They started together for the first, say, five All-Irelands. And then it was kind of new girls were coming into the panel, younger girls. But it was like we bought into that culture, you know, and it was like the older girls were role models to us in terms of, of buying into that culture. And they helped us. So they were kind of like role models to us while we were still the younger kind of girls on the team. And now it's funny, like, because when I when I think I'm like one of the oldies now on, on, on the team and we're kind of the ones trying to help and encourage the younger girls. So um, it's like a conveyor belt, like, and I think role models as well, I do think have a big, big role to play. Like, I think when I came onto that team, um, I do think that the older girls, like they were, I idolised them and I wanted to be like them and, you know, that helped me in terms of my motivation too. So I do think that more female role models, just the presence of them, I think, is something that can be brought forward to in all kind of aspects, not just in clubs, but in schools, um, you know, in, in grassroot, at grassroots level, I think, that the presence of female role models can be a massive thing. And I think we saw that with the 2020 campaign as well over the last year or two that, just having that recognition and that coverage and that support from like female role models was massive, like just in terms of striving to be something like I want to be like her someday. You know, I know who this girl is. You know, I know who Katie Taylor is. I know, you know, a footballer, a camogie player, a basketball player, an Irish swimmer, anyone. Or, or it could be just something simple as I know the junior player in my club. And that's her name. And I and I know that the senior player or the minor girl in my club doesn't have to necessarily mean that they're achieving all these all Ireland medals or anything. It's just to have that presence. And the more I think about it, like the more coaches I speak to over the years, when they have older girls in the club helping out with the training sessions and just being there, um, they say it goes a long way. And they say that the girls really take to that. And they like that because they can see kind of almost their future selves, like what they want to be like. No, I want I want to be playing on the junior team someday. Um, that'll be me in a few years' time. Um, and I think that's important that we have we're giving them that opportunity um to actually strive to be someone and to be something in whether it's part of a club or you know an event or something that they can actually do it too. Um, and it's setting such a good example for them as well. Um, so I do think that the presence of female role models, it came up in my own research as well. You know, how could we get more girls playing when I asked the girls, oh, um, if we got some some girls into the schools to do some coaching or into the clubs, some of the older girls in the club or some, you know, county players or whoever into the clubs. Um, because I guarantee you, if if a, a Cork hurler now went into a school in, in Cork, they'd all know about him. Whereas if, you know, a Cork footballer or a Cork Mogi player went into school, I guarantee you some children would be saying, Geez, who's that now? Who's that? You know, so that's just the reality of it. And um, so it, it's it's about kind of, I suppose, that recognition part with coupled with the female role models as well um, in trying to, to kind of get girls to, to actually strive to be someone um, and give them that opportunity as well. Through her coaching and research, Orla identified how mistakes are being made at underage level through a lack of understanding of what girls want to get out of sport and what areas coaches should emphasise when coaching young girls. I remember doing a training session for a club a few years ago and 
I went down, I think it was under 14 girls at the time. And um, the coach was kind of mad saying, oh, you know, what will we do for our kickouts? And, you know, what what kind of a plan will we have? And this and that. I'm thinking like they're only under 14. I'm like, really, they shouldn't be having all these plan A, plan B and plan C's for kickouts. And it's ridiculous that they shouldn't have to be thinking about that. They've enough to be thinking about, um, you know, they're not maybe fully developed in the sense of, of the of the game sense at that age that they shouldn't even be thinking about kickouts and what, what what plan you're going to have for kickouts and and whatnot. So I do think that it it boils back to education, I think, at the end of the day. Um like I think for coaches and I think it, it is a big problem in Ireland. Um particularly within, you know, the amateur sports that like a lot of the time it's it's parents and volunteering their time like to train sessions and stuff. I'm not saying that they're not qualified enough or, or, or anything like that, but I'm just saying that, you know, maybe there's not much of an understanding in the sense of what girls want. Um, and it's kind of designing and implementing a training session around almost like what, what a senior team would do. Um, obviously making it a bit easier uh, but transferring that to like an under 10, under 12, under 14 team. And I think that's where the issue is. I think that it's it's the intention and the focus has to be on fun participation, you know, that sense of belonging, that connectedness at that young age. There, That's the value-driven approach because you, you need to instill that value-driven approach from a young age so that it can develop into, you know, a competitive environment maybe when they're gone into adulthood or maybe when they go up to the minor senior intermediate junior team or whatever but at that age it, it has to be about participation and it has to be about instilling those 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 values um not tactics not you know all these game plays and stuff like that's just for me personally i just think that would be a massive turn off um i know you know if if i was if i can or rewind my 12 year old self and go up to training session like you're going to training session because you want to have fun and you want yes you want to get fit and you want to be healthy and you might want to relieve a bit of stress like but at that age like does a 12 year old really want to be listening to kick out plans and things like that no like ask any 12 year old any 12 year old will say absolutely not I just want to have you know fun with my friends and get the best out of the session and feel good after the session and um, that's what needs to be changed. And I think there's a disparity there um, just in terms of understanding that and education. So I, I do think in order to move forward, um, I suppose, in, in a positive light, I do think that educating teachers, coaches, parents, even young girls as well, educating young girls on, you know, the importance of sport, you know, what they like, that collaborative approach again, everyone has to be on board. Like I, I always say it, it should be like a, a triangle, you know, like a triad almost that it's like, obviously the child is in the middle, like the child is at, at the core. Um, but the parents and the teacher or coach, they have to be on board too, because there's no point in the coach having all these lovely ideas um, going out during the session and the girls aren't on board or the parents aren't on board. Like it, it has to be, a collaborative approach and it you have to you, you have to get the parents to buy into it as well and you have to get the girls to buy into it as well um in order for them to actually fully engage it's like um the self-determination theory it's um, a theoretical framework in research and i actually used it as part of my own research um and it basically boils down to like 
self-motivation. So if you want to self-motivate like a person or a young girl to stay involved, then they have to be competent. Like they have to they have to feel competent in themselves. Um they have to feel that like relatedness and that connectedness as well amongst themselves. You know, they have to have that social support. So they have to have support from their coaches, they have to have support from their parents, they have to have peer support as well. Um, and they they have to feel that like that skill kind of side of it as well, that they feel like that confidence and competence comes into it a lot when it comes to to self-motivation. So I think that like, you know, that they're the value-driven approaches, like that's what's that's what's at the core. If you can get those things right, even if you look if you think of it at like as a pyramid, the bottom the, the base of the pyramid, that's where all the like encouragement, the value-driven approach, you know, the confidence, the um feeling good, like if you can get that right from the bottom, like from the start, you'll have a solid foundation then, you know, and you can build on that. Whereas if you think of like, you know, enjoyment and winning and things, and you know, a lot of people look only at the top of the pyramid and look at like, oh, the top is is to win the county championship or it's to get to that Munster championship or whatever it is. That's the goal now for the year. That's the thing. But people forget about the, the bottom of the pyramid. They forget about nourishing and trying to encourage the girls to kind of self-motivate themselves and to, to get the best of themselves at the bottom um, so that they have a solid base at the end of the day. Because, you know, as a coach, as a parent, you can only control so much like you can control what you do in that 60 minutes session. You can't make them stay involved. Unfortunately, you know, parents can't make their, their daughters or boys stay involved. And that's why self-motivation, that's what you want to instill. That's what you, that's why sometimes, you know, coaches can look on the outside and be like, Oh, well, X Wednesday, we need to win. But it's all about actually motivating the players themselves, as you said, to be the best they can be. And if they, you know, that's satisfaction. If they played the game, they didn't win. You know, nine times out of ten, players are going to be happy with their performance if they if they all did it collectively together and they had that social support and they had that encouragement. However, if they lost a game and coaches are giving out, energy is bad, you know, girls are kind of given out about X, Y, and Z, or she didn't pass the ball and this and that. And that's then where the negativity creeps in. And that's where, you know, the lack of enjoyment comes in, the lack of motivation. It's it's trying to kind of cultivate that in players. And I think like from my own experience, something that I'll always remember is um, Eamon Ryan's approach to coaching. Um, God rest his soul. He he was, you know, one of the best coaches I think I've ever been coached under. And I'm very grateful to have had him as a coach. Um, and not only just a coach, but like a mentor too to me. Um, and I think that he is the perfect example of getting the best out of all his players and cultivating that confidence um in in players, in all players, you know, whether you were number one or whether you were number 30. He he didn't care. Like he didn't he didn't view you differently if you had six All Ireland medals or if you had no All Ireland medals. Um, there was never that kind of judgmental kind of pressure approach. It was just really about like you know best. It was always put back on us that like we like trust yourself. Like you know you have all you've all the skills in the world. You've been playing football for how many years? You you know best. Like you're you have all the skill. It's what is upstairs he used to say is what what counts most like above your head is the most important when it comes to sport and he always used to say that to us that 
you know, even if we made mistakes, to embrace them and to learn from them and just create that safe kind of environment that like you didn't feel embarrassed, you know, like if you messed up something, like get 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 on with it. Next ball. Forget it. It's, it's happened. Like don't be dwelling on it. And he he always kind of in, in, I suppose encouraged that kind of culture um, and always just helped us like to become you know the best we could be not only just on the pitch but outside of the pitch too um because he was a big believer on in what was going on you know your environment outside of football um and outside of sport is going to directly impact your environment you know when you're playing when you're turning up to training and things like that too so you know it, it was it, it was more than just a coach for 60 minutes like he was almost kind of like a life coach in one sense that a mentor and you know just a figure like whether it be a father figure for some some girls that you know we we respected him and he respected us and it was like that mutual respect that mutual kind of collaboration and connectedness and that sense of belonging again that's something I'll always remember just being part of of Eamon Ryan's kind of setup um even when I was a young girl coming up I remember I was only 17 at the time when I got called up to the, the senior panel and sure I was undelighted because I was playing with all my my role models like Angela Walsh and Breach Corker and all the girls and I was like I was I was nervous and I was scared because I thought I'd mess up and I didn't know would I be good enough all of these things again creeping in creeping in um, but again just that that environment that culture that Eamon had created um, again just non-judgmental safe you know, feeling like you you could actually go for it. You know, regardless if I was seventeen years old, uh, versus a twenty seven year old that was on the same team, that I I could actually you know I'm good enough to to start. I'm good enough to push now to get to get my game and things like that too. And that's that comes down to culture. Um. So really, I think it's a bit of a mix of of you know education um and culture really and like educating and empowering parents coaches. Um, young girls, teachers, to actually, you know, understand a girl and understand their mindset and what they want and what's going on now um, in this moment in time. This podcast was brought to you in partnership with Focus Ireland's Shine a Light Night, proudly supported by Borgosh Energy. It will take place on Friday the 15th of October 2021. Everyone will come together virtually from their sleep out location to raise vital funds and stand in solidarity with people experiencing homelessness. To find out how you can support or take part, please visit focusireland.ie. This episode of The Athlete's Record was edited by Charlotte Reed and produced by James Wynn and Richie Kelly of Record Media. Look out for the next episode of The Athlete's Record or subscribe now on your preferred podcast platform.